And this is part eight today. This is the last message in the recovery series that we're doing. And how appropriate that next Sunday, we didn't even plan this, but that next Sunday is Hope Sunday. Isn't that awesome? So literally, we end this eight-week series, and next Sunday, we get to celebrate what God is doing in our county. Amen? So cool. Well, hey, today's message is titled, Recycling My Pain. We'll explain that in just a moment. But the theme verse for this entire series comes from Isaiah chapter 57. Out of the Passion Translation, it reads this. It's on the screens. Even though, this is the Father speaking, even though I've seen their ways, I will heal them. I will guide them forward and repay them with comfort, giving mourners the language of praise. I offer peace to those who are far from me, and I offer peace to those who are near, and I will heal their deepest wounds. The Father wants to heal your deepest wounds today. So, all eight parts, all eight steps in Celebrate Recovery are based off of, I don't know if we've shared this before or not, but they're all based off of the Beatitudes, which is how Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Let's read down through all eight steps, and then we're going to read the Beatitudes together. So this is what we've been talking about these past eight weeks. Step number one, realize. So the R in recovery, realize I'm not God. I admit I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and my life is unmanageable. This is before Jesus. We are powerless. We are unable to control the sin in our lives. Well, then we have the next step. Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. Step three, consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Step number four, openly examine and confess. This was the hard one, for me at least. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. This step is essential to see breakthrough and freedom in our lives. Next, voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. The E. Evaluate all my relationships. Say all. All my relationships. Offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. The R. This is what we talked about last Sunday. Reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to do it. And then today, we're going to focus on the why. Yield myself to God to be used to bring the good news to others by both my example and my words. So the Beatitudes are the biblical basis for all we've been sharing these past eight weeks. All of these eight steps are taken straight from the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five. Let's read together here. They'll be on the screen. This is how Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. 
God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. And God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is there. Can you kind of see how these eight steps are all pulled from these scriptures, from the Beatitudes? Let's read together step eight one more time. This is what we're, our emphasis is this morning. Read it with me. Yield myself to God to be used to bring the good news to others by both my example and my word. So I was thinking, what does it mean to yield? If you're entering the highway uh, right from an off-ramp and you're yielding to oncoming traffic, yield means you allow them to move and you follow them, right? You allow them to move and then you follow. When you yield to someone, they're ahead of you. And so yielding myself to God means I allow God to move and then I follow, amen? Once we have encountered freedom and healing from a hurt, habit, or hang-up, God wants to use my experiences and your experiences to help other people he turns shame into glory, right? Shame into glory. He wants to recycle the pain in your life for the benefit of other people. Isn't that amazing? Once we experience freedom, once we experience healing, we go through that process. God wants to use you in that area. And, and this takes courage. And this takes full reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit because some of this pain is deep. Some of this pain we've been holding on to for years and years and years. Some of these things you've experienced, whether at your own hand or somebody else's hand, you would never want to tell another living soul about. But God says you overcome by the word of your testimony. And he wants to use you. He wants to turn those graves into gardens for the benefit of other people so that you can lead someone who is struggling in that very same area into freedom in Jesus' name. When you allow God to use you in your weaknesses, your honesty and your vulnerability breaks down those walls in other people. They relate to you. They say, wow, I'm not the only one who struggles. He's been through something similar to, to what I'm walking through right now. I can relate, and that opens those doors for them to listen to what you have to say. And the best part about it is it brings glory to God. That's the, that's the end goal. When you begin to practice this step, step number eight, you have genuine recovery because the greatest proof of recovery, the greatest proof of breakthrough is when you begin to focus outside of yourself and you stop being so inwardly focused. But you, like we talked about before, you can see their pain. Even if it's someone who caused you pain, you can see their pain. And you can begin to pray for them. And you can begin to pray God's blessing and favor into their life, even though they hurt you. Even though they destroyed you, you can begin to focus outwardly instead of the pain that was inward. Because now you're full of joy, peace, right? Strength. And that is the greatest proof of recovery. So today our focus is... Recycling my pain, God does this in order that I may be used to help other people. 
I'm going to share a personal testimony. And again, this wasn't in the notes. I love how the Holy Spirit works. But um, we're coming up on a five-year celebration of our son's life. And he entered into eternity. And I can tell you that immediately following his passing, I was not ready to go to another mother who had lost a baby and minister to her. Because I had to heal first. I had to get alone with the Father, and it took, it's still, it's still happening. I'll just tell you that. It's still, the healing is still happening. But I'm walking in healing. I'm walking in strength. He has come to my aid. I wouldn't be standing here if it weren't for, not, for my Father. Can't get the words out. But I know, and I knew then, that the pain was so deep that if I tried to push through and tried to help somebody out, we would end up in a puddle of brokenness together. So we have to take time to, A, acknowledge that we have pain. And sometimes the hardest thing is to sit in it but not stay in it. Invite him into it to give us freedom and victory over it so that then we can walk people into the same freedom. But this is what we've been walking through. This is what recovery is all about. You see, alcohol addiction, that's not really the problem. Drug addiction, that's not really the problem. Sleep medicine addiction, that's not really the problem. It's a symptom of a root, of a wound, yes? And in the deepest places, our Father this morning is asking us to trust him, to surrender, and to let him come in. Because you see, I'm going to say this later in the message, but what I found is that Jesus doesn't push me out of the pain just to try and get me through it. He sits with me in it. And, and I've read a story before where the Lord is healing this young woman and he's pulling what looks like shards of glass out of her head. And I feel like sometimes we're so, and the angels were ministering to her. This is a story that I'm not supposed to be getting into. But the angels were ministering to her and one piece at a time, he was healing her. He was taking out what the enemy had done and restoring and healing, okay? Okay. So anytime we go through pain, he is ready and willing to sit with us. He needs only to be invited. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, still I will be with you. Amen? So how does God use my pain? And can I tell you something? Standing on this side of the testimony, this is bold to say, but I believe that because Travis and I went to him and sat with him and he sat with us, we are seeing breakthrough in women having babies. We're seeing babies born alive. We're seeing babies healthy. We're seeing wholeness in the lives of children because I turned to my father and I said, yes, I release my son to you. Now I want to see life and life abundantly. So he turns our pain into glory. And what I'm seeing is the miraculous pour through every single prayer. Isn't that good? That my willingness to trust him, because see, it is about trust. Any pain that I go through, I have to trust him that he knows what I need before I even ask. So how does God use my pain? I want to remind you, and I want you to know the nature of your father, the father in heaven who loves you. 
Because the enemy wants us to believe that he is not a loving father and that he is not good. He did this to you. He caused your pain. How many of you ever had that whispered into your head and into your heart? I have. And I want to make sure that you do not hear that coming out of my mouth this morning as we dive into this. We have a good, good father. He turns graves into gardens. And we're going to say it as many times as possible this morning. He is a loving father. And what I want to remember and what I have to remember in the middle of all this mess is this is not what he wanted. This was not his original plan. When he created Adam and Eve in the garden, they were not created to experience this immense pain and suffering. Hear me. He created us for glory. He created us to be in relationship with him. He created us for goodness. He created us for abundance. He created us to rule over this land and multiply. So when he also created us with free will. He did not want a bunch of puppets or robots saying, you have to love me, you have to serve me. So what, it, what we're dealing with today is not a God who caused the pain. It is a people who chose to turn their back on the Father that provided everything they needed because they thought they needed something else because there is an enemy, a real live enemy after your soul. And from the beginning of time, he deceived Adam and Eve not to listen to the good, trusting, loving father. But there's got to be more. You've got to find more. This is not enough. He's not enough. And he created a lack mentality in them, which then caused sin, which then caused death, sickness, destruction. Yes? Okay, so when we're walking through pain and we are facing suffering and we're facing sickness and we're facing death and we're facing tumultuous times, this is not the plan that God had. And when we marry our hearts to him, he does something new. He restores and puts us back like we were brand new babies in the garden. Do you believe it? So how does God use my pain? He has given me free will. God has given you the freedom to choose for yourself right or wrong. God did not create puppets, but human beings who make the choice to love him voluntarily. Because, the truly, because to truly love someone, you have the choice not to love them. Listen, did you hear that? I got to catch my breath. Because to truly love someone, you have to have the choice not to love them. The Father is looking for a church that's truly in love with him. Our free will can result in good or bad consequences depending on our decisions. Deuteronomy eleven twenty six through 27 says, Look, today I am giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord God, your God, that I am giving you today. You will be blessed if you obey his commands. We can also become the victim of someone else's free will and the enemy's attempts to destroy us. You see, the enemy seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. There's no good in him. So if you're suffering under that, who is after you? God's not trying to teach you something. You have a real enemy. And he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So how does God use my pain? Number one, 
There are times he uses my pain to help get my attention. God can use our pain to get our attention. Your depression, your pain, your anxiety, your fear is not the problem. It's a symptom. Alcoholism is not the problem. It's a symptom of the problem. Telling us there's something else going on. There's a warning light going off. There's a deep, deep something going on. Pain is our wake-up call. Pain is God's megaphone. C.S. Lewis says, God whispers to us in our pleasure and shouts to us in our pain. He does not want you to stay there. He does not want you to stay depressed. He does not want you to stay anxious. He does not want you to stay bound. And he is declaring today, and I don't know if you've heard it from, you know, Eight weeks ago on, he loves you with an everlasting love. And sometimes our choices, we have to turn to him and say, okay, I'm ready for you to help me. I hear you now. I see I can't do this on my own. I'm trying to play God in my own life. Proverbs 20, 30. You can turn with me. Painful experiences do wonders to change your life. Jonah and the whale. What happened to Jonah? Jonah. We learned this in Sunday school. He didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. So he got eaten by a whale and realized what was happening. So sometimes our choices, the consequences, wake us up. And Jonah was woke up to the fact that he wasn't walking in obedience so God takes our pain and sometimes says, hey, let's go. You have a calling. You have a purpose. Stop getting distracted. 2 Corinthians 7, 9 says, now I am glad I sent it. Not because it hurts you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. God uses problems and pain to get our attention. And a lot of those problems and pain are of our own doing if we're honest, yeah? And our, we got to recognize sometimes it's our choices, the enemy, and then also just a, bl a blunt wake-up call. Hey, guys, I'm trying to get your attention. Stop running from me. I've got a plan for your life. And it's just like your children, and you're disciplining your children, and you know they're about to do something that they will regret or that will cause them some form of pain or discomfort. And sometimes you have to let them experience the fact that they needed your help in that moment. That's not cruel. That's discipline. Okay? God is not a cruel God. Amen? Okay. Number two. God uses our pain to help teach us to depend on him. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God, who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10. Too often we don't realize God is all we need until he's all we have. He is all you need and then some, yes? So don't wait until you are in the pit of hell to reach out to him. He has everything you need. My suffering was good for me. For it taught me to pay attention to your decrees, Psalms 119.71. How many of you have ever gone through something extremely hard and you're like, that woke me up? 
Yes? That caused me to see differently. I learned so much through that experience. I'm a different person because I walked through the fire, okay? Yes? In truth, I'm sorry, the truth is some things we only learn by going through painful places. In order to experience breakthrough, we have to recognize our brokenness. He is not afraid to sit with us in it, and he will always walk us out of it. We need to be prepared to do the same for others. That's a repeat of what I said earlier. And number three, how does God use our pain to help us reach out to others? Pain can make me humble, sympathetic, and sensitive to others' needs. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says, He, Jesus, always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in any painful trial. We bring them this same comfort that God has poured out upon us. Who can better help, and I said this already, an alcoholic than someone who's already been there? God will not waste your pain. Joseph, really quickly, the story of Joseph What happened to him? We're just really quickly breezing through some biblical characters. But Joseph, his brothers, threw him into a pit and then sold him into slavery. And Joseph, in Genesis 50, 20, says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. We say that all the time. What the enemy meant for evil, God turns for the good every time. Beauty from ashes. And Joseph was wise enough to recognize what the enemy, what his brothers yielded to the enemy to do to him, right? They were the enemy in his life, and the enemy used them to try and destroy Joseph because he knew what was inside of Joseph. There's a real enemy here, and he comes to seek, kill, and destroy And Joseph said, what you intended, God turned. He turned it. So whatever you're walking through, whatever pain you've suffered, you don't stay there. Say, okay, God, it's time for the turning. It's time for you to help me walk out of this. I surrender. I heal in Jesus' name. And then you walk towards other people who are walking through the same thing you have. And you lift them out of the pit. Yeah? God is bigger than the people who hurt you. And he will turn your pain around and use it for good, for others' good and for his glory. Amen. You all want to hear some truth this morning? Say, Travis, tell me some truth. Some of you aren't doing it, and it makes me very sad. So we're going to do it again. Say, Travis, tell me some truth. Now that you asked me, I'm going to tell you. God wants to recycle your pain and use it to help other people. But if you keep the pain inside, you're wasting it. He wants to recycle it. He wants to use it to help others, to help you. But when we keep it inside, we waste the pain. We waste the experience that God wants to use and turn around for our good, for their good, for his glory. And we cannot keep it inside. So the last point here today, how to use my pain to help others. The reality is there are people in desperate need to hear your story. There are people 
crying out, silently crying out, you may not even know it, who need to hear what you have to say, whether you believe it or not. And you have the answer living within you. And we cannot keep it inside. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, if anyone asks you about the hope living within you, Always be ready to explain your faith. Now, listen, they may not come up to you or walk up to you and say, hey, tell me about Jesus. People can ask you about your faith in all different kinds of ways. But that's where it takes the wisdom and the knowledge the Holy Spirit gives you to discern, is this the time? They may be saying this, but I understand underneath of what they're saying, they're really asking me, why am I the way I am? How did I find freedom? Why do I live in such peace and hope and joy? In discerning that and being ready to explain and answer why you have the faith that you do. There are people in your lives, in your community, at your job, maybe even in your very own house, who need to hear your story. Listen, parents, there is a time, I need to carefully say this, there is a time in your kids' lives when they need to know who you are and things that you have walked through in your past that you think are only going to hurt them will actually bring them healing and strength. Now, that's not just something to, you know, you need to pray about when to share certain things, but they need to understand how God walked you from that into the person, into the mother, into the father that you are today, and share your testimony. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. There's people who need to hear your story even more than you think you need to share it, and that's the enemy's deception. It happens in two ways. Either the enemy will speak to you and say, listen, you really don't have that, that great of a testimony. I mean, listen to them talk. Now, they have an amazing testimony, but you've never experienced anything like the pain that they're experiencing, so just shut your mouth. Don't even talk about it. It is a lie. Or, on the other end of the equation, the enemy says this, will you stop talking about your testimony? Listen, everybody's heard it. They don't need to hear it anymore. They're tired of hearing it. Leslie and I walked through that with our son. And we got to the place where we thought, man, are we talking about it too much? Are we sharing it too much? And the enemy wants to deceive you into thinking, just be quiet about it. They've already heard it. That's when you stomp on his head and you say it even louder. Make yourself completely available to be used by God and then get ready. See, as we encounter the goodness of God, it's only natural that he will propel you. He will um, compel you. Yeah, those two words work. He will compel and propel you out into the world. You will want to share your story. You won't be able to stay silent when it comes to your testimony, to your story. You will be compelled to tell others about it, whether they ask or not sometimes. Because it's your life. 
It's not just a part of your life. It is your life. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was in darkness. I've now been brought into his marvelous light. And I cannot stop but tell you about it. Ain't no grave going to hold my body down. Even the grave of that deception. See, the more we encounter his goodness, the more you will. It's like you have the best kept secret in the world and you have to tell somebody about it. And the more we encounter him, the more that enthusiasm, that passion will burn within us to tell others about what we have experienced. So you can't manipulate it. You can't make it up. You can't tell somebody else about something that you really haven't experienced. Well, God is good. Well, how do you know that? Well, my pastor told me that he was. No, it's from your experience, your life. It's your story. You cannot mess it up. Share your story. It's yours. It's nobody else's. Nobody else can share it. And there are people crying out to hear it. Step into the courage and freedom and tell somebody. And sometimes, this is where I'm still working, God wants you to take the initiative. He doesn't want you to wait for someone to come ask you. He wants you to take the initiative and step out of your comfort zone maybe and tell someone, read this verse with me. My beloved friends, if you see a believer who is overtaken with a fault, may the one who overflows with the Spirit seek to restore him. Win him over with gentle words, which will open his heart to you and will keep you from exalting yourself over him. Love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one as we carry each other's troubles. What empowers us? Love. Everything that we share comes from a place of the Father's love. And we must overflow with the Spirit, it also says. Overflowing with the Holy Spirit. You see, God commands us, sharing in one another's troubles, bearing one another's burdens, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. And so fulfill the law of God. That's what his word says. And we can get afraid sometimes, right? It's easy to, to, to be afraid of the mess because we look at what someone is going through or they come to us with something and we're like, wow, I don't have a clue how to help. I don't have a clue what to say. I've never gone through anything like that. What if other people see me talking to them and, and their lifestyle and maybe that some of that mess is going to get onto me and so I'm just going to stay away? It's a command. Don't be afraid of the mess because guess what? Jesus wasn't afraid of yours. You have all you need. You are not ill-equipped. Walk across the street. Start up a conversation with your coworker, with your wife, your son, your daughter, whoever it is, whoever the Holy Spirit's leading you to because he empowers you. He gives you the strength. He gives you the wisdom. Listen, if you feel inequipped, it's because you are. That's why we need him. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because he gives us all that we need. Every time. So, a couple suggestions on how to do this. How to um, bear one another's burdens, share in each other's struggles. This is from 1 Thessalonians, um, these points. First, be humble. 
Leslie said that, says this at least once a day. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. We're all equal at the foot of the cross, so be humble. Don't let your pride and your arrogance get in the way. Because remember, it is by grace you have been saved. It's through your faith in Jesus, his forgiveness, his redemption. Number two, be real. Be honest about your hurts and your faults. Be genuine, be authentic. Don't, don't try to be anything you're not. Let them see the real you. And don't over-exaggerate. Just share your story, exactly where you were and now where you are. Let the focus be on Jesus, not on your pain, not on your past. Let it be on him. When you share your story, it not only gives hope to others, but healing and strength to you. Again, we overcome by the word of our testimony. Not their testimony, your testimony. And number three, don't lecture. Don't speak at them, speak to them. You, Rick Warren says this, you may be the first Bible someone will ever read. And everything in their life that they've experienced has led them to this moment. And that's not to put pressure on you, it's to get you excited. His yoke is easy, his burden is light, there's no pressure. But you may be the first Bible that someone will ever read. He, he says this as well, I thought this was clever. If Jesus was just your ticket to heaven, then why doesn't God just take you there immediately when you accept him as your savior? If Jesus is just your ticket to heaven, then why doesn't God just take you there as soon as you accept Jesus? Because we have been commissioned. I will never get tired of saying this. Todd White says, listen church, the rapture is not a rescue mission. Jesus is not coming back for a weak, tired, exhausted, living in fear church. He's coming back for a church that's busy doing the work that he's assigned them to do. I said it last week. If you look around and you wonder why the world is in the shape the world is in and why there's so much evil, who did God leave in charge? Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, heal the lepers. Freely you have received, freely give. I'm saying it, doggone it. <laughs> Listen, I'm not good at this. I'll be the first one to say it terrifies me talking to, to other people. I'm, I'm bad. She's amazing. I'm terrible. It, and it's the Holy Spirit, and he is still working me through this. But he is all I need. So listen, I'm preaching to myself even more than I'm preaching to you today. The world is far more ready to receive the gospel than we feel like we're ready to share it sometimes. They are ready. There is a world in desperate need crying out for you to share it. Our last verse of the day, Acts 20, verse 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of Jesus. Not telling others how bad they are, but telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of Jesus. This is the greatest purpose 
of our lives. Will you stand? Today's step is yield myself to God to be used to bring the good news to others, both my example and my words. I was sitting there as we were preparing yesterday, and the Holy Spirit told me to pick up this book. It's called Visions from Heaven. And literally, this doesn't always happen, okay? So I'm not saying go home and pick up a book and just open to a page and say, God said, okay? People do that in the Bible sometimes, too. And, uh, but you really need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And he literally, I literally opened to this page and started reading. And I want to read this to you because the next few moments are crucial. Some of us have not surrendered our pain to him yet. And we have an opportunity today to even come and sit in this altar and sit with Jesus, have hands laid on us if we need to say, I'm inviting you in. I'm scared of even facing it, but I know that you're the healer and what they're saying is true. It's resonating in my spirit. But I want to show you, I want to read to you who Jesus is, okay? Jesus knelt next to him, and this is a vision, a story. Jesus knelt next to him and gently removed his forearm from his face. I have fallen too far. Jesus sighed deeply. His look was somewhat sterner than I had seen before. Yes, he sighed again. You have fallen far from my grace, but never so far that my grace cannot reach you. He was silent for a moment. If you want it to be so, he whispered the man, Have mercy on me, a sinner. Grant me your grace in your infinite mercy. Grant your grace to me, the worst of sinners. I want it. I want it to be so. Jesus sighed and gently cradled the man's head in his arms and held him as a mother would in his arms, rocking, rocking him gently. Mucus flowed from the man's tears onto Jesus' hands, but Jesus still rocked him as a babe, looking at him with unimaginable tenderness and a great sorrow loving him. Oh, how greatly he loved him. I watched tears stream down my own cheeks. How immense is your grace. I did not come for the lovely, Jesus answered quietly, still rocking the man in his arms. I came to save those who are lost. I came to bind up the brokenhearted. I came for those so bound in their sin they cannot get free. I came for those lost in their pride and their delusion. I came for the unlovely. All these I died for on the cross. All these who have fallen so far from my grace I yearn for. Tell my church to go out into the highways. Go out into the byways and to save that which is lost. Tell my church that many of those who are the most unlovely of today shall be my father's champions of tomorrow. Tell my church that those who have been forgiven much love much. Jesus rose with the man leaning heavily on him. Together they walked through the gate out into the garden where the wind started to blow across the man's countenance. And although his eyes were still closed, his entire expression exuded a deep, unfathomable peace. This is a vision 
a story, but it's the truth. Did you notice where they walked into? They walked into the garden. He turns graves into gardens and is here today to heal the deepest places in your heart. He wants to sit with you. He wants to hold you. He wants to minister to you in ways that you can't understand. Maybe you don't need to understand, but you just need to let him. Amen? Because he has called you and he has destined you you sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Altar team, if you want to prepare two on this side and two on this side, you can come forward now. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to take a couple minutes. And if you need someone to agree with you, these people are down here. They've been praying. They're ready. If you need someone to pray over you, to lift you up, they're here. And then if you just need space to sit in his presence, we need to take this time. We need to take five minutes, folks. Are you with me? He is your healer. He is everything you need. And if you just need to sit in your chair, that's fine. But if you feel so prompted to come running to the arms of Jesus to let him heal where you are, sit with him. Let him bring meaning and purpose in your pain. And then I want you to walk out of this place knowing your destiny and your purpose in Jesus' name. So as Travis leads us, let's go into a time of prayer. It is not time to stay where you are. It is not time to stay in your pain. It is time to get free. I'm speaking to somebody right now. Don't stay in it. Get free. Come to the altar. Come to the King of Kings. Sit with him. Let him minister to you. And these folks are ready to pray over you in Jesus' name.